Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. I hope you guys have a great weekend and that you're relaxing and enjoying life and getting time to regroup and listen to podcasts and read and and everything that you enjoy doing. All of the podcasts I'm releasing today, which marks the start of my June early summer book blast, so welcome to that, all of them have a military-based theme in honor of all of the wonderful people who we are thinking of today for this Memorial Day. So... All of them have a common theme. Listen to all three and enjoy. Cindy McCain is the author of Stronger, a memoir. Cindy is the chairman of the board of the McCain Institute for International Leadership. Married to Senator John McCain for nearly four decades, Cindy became well-known for her support of military families and for her speech at the 2008 Republican National Convention that nominated John as the party's presidential candidate. She is chairman of her family business, Hensley Beverage Company, and her extensive philanthropic and humanitarian work has won her many awards. Cindy and John raised four children together, Megan, Jack, Jimmy, and Bridget. Cindy now travels extensively to raise awareness of human trafficking around the world, but her home base remains in Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome, Cindy. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss your memoir, Stronger, Courage, Hope, and Humor in My Life with John McCain. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I really (laughs) appreciate it. I really do. Uh, Well, this was such a great book. Your life has been so interesting, and I love hearing all about not just your relationship with such a public figure, but your life. I mean, your life has been so interesting. (laughs) Your parenting, your adoption, your struggles. I mean, 
fantastic. I'm so glad you wrote this book. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Well, it was very cathartic for me to write it. And I'm glad I did. The bulk of the writing took place during, during COVID, during the lockdown. So for me, it was a good thing. I also hadn't really had time to, to grieve. I went straight back to work after my husband died and uh, didn't really take any time for myself. And of course, pandemic put everything to a screeching halt. So it was a good, it was a very good thing for me to do. Uh-oh. Tell me about the, can we jump? I know this sure. is jumping around a little sure. bit, but I was so interested in the Bangladeshi mm-hmm. orphanage story, your adoption, and then how the campaign sort of Oh my gosh, you used your daughter, which I mean, as a mother of four, I think my heart was hurting reading this whole section. Tell me a little bit about that story and for people listening, what that was like. Well, our daughter was a baby that I actually discovered in an orphanage in Dhaka, Bangladesh, she and another baby. And my daughter had a very severe cleft palate and the other little girl had a heart condition. And so I was able to, to, I realized I could, I could bring them home. I could get them medical care in Arizona. And so I proceeded to do all that. You know, the nuns were very helpful. You know, they helped get passports and bribe all kinds of people to make it, to, to have it happen in a timely fashion. But what happened was we were getting ready to literally to leave for the airport. And we got a call from the health ministry that said that I needed to go down and appear in front of the health ministry officials before I left the country. And I went down to this, you know, it's a big room kind of thing with a long table. And there were all these, these men sitting at the table and they were all speaking in Hindi. And so I, I couldn't understand anything they were saying. And of course, being the absolute airport neurotic that I am, I kept looking at my watch and we're going to running late, you know, all this kind of stuff anyway. So finally I asked, you know, what was going on. They still kept speaking Hindi. And then finally a gentleman started speaking English and, and he said, well, we can we can provide the health care for these babies and we we can we can do this here in, in Bangladesh. And I was so frustrated that I slammed my hand on the desk of the or on the, the table that I was sitting behind. I slammed my fist down and I quite excuse my language, but I said, God damn it, do it. Why haven't you done it? And of course that shut everybody up <laughs> and and they started stamping things really fast to get the crazy lady out of there, I guess. But it was it was the kind of thing. They were two, two little girls who were not going to get the health care. It just simply was not going to happen for them. And the nuns knew that at Mother Teresa's orphanage, and so they facilitated in every way me being able to get these two girls out. And it was really on the flight home that I realized that our daughter Bridget that she was going home with me. She had picked me as her mommy. <laughs> and so I literally walked off the airplane in Phoenix, Arizona with a child, a new daughter, and introduced her to my husband who didn't even know I was doing that. And it, it, talk about a test of a marriage. He was, he was so lovely about it, knew exactly what was going to happen. He, you know, he was, he just was such a, such a great person that day. He really showed a side of himself that I hadn't seen. And and we've been happy ever since. She she will turn 30 in July. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Now I feel terrible. My husband came home with fish for my kids. And I was like, we didn't, we didn't even talk about this. Like, what are you doing? You know? Well, I, I am not as good a spouse, clearly. <laughs> well, it was, you know, it was the kind of thing too that my husband, you know, he knew me well enough to know that I wasn't going to turn my back on a baby. And so it was just, it was just, it was fate. Uh, you know, God had a hand in it, I'm quite certain. 
and she's been with us forever. And and now, you know, you brought up the the discussion about her being pulled into the campaign. And that was a tragic time, actually, because she was she was too young to know what was going on. And this is the 2000 presidential race. And our opponent used her in a, in a series of flyers and ads that said, did you know that John McCain has a black daughter? This took place in South Carolina. And did you know he has a black daughter? And of course, the intimation there was that somehow this was wrong and or, you know, and then the fact that she was black was even worse kind of thing. And so, it, it, you know, it was a terrible part of the campaign, but it wasn't until about four or five years later that she Googled herself and she discovered all this. And she came into my bedroom after she did it and, and you know, crying. And she said, mommy, mommy, why does President Bush hate me? Why doesn't he like me? And, I, you know, I, I did my very best to try to explain to her, you know, it's, it's politics, et cetera. But she's, she's never gotten over it. She's never, she thought it was because she was black. She thought it was, be, you know, I mean, it's all those things have rolled into this and she's, she struggled with this for quite a while. It was, you know, words have consequences. And I like to remind anybody that's campaigning or anybody anywhere, really, that you families are off limits. You can't do this. And unfortunately we learned a hard lesson that day. Wow. Well, I feel like your book is full of lessons Like at the end of every chapter. You just sort of sprinkle in, like they're not in bold and they're not like, you know, there's no pull quotes or anything, but I'll keep reading. I'll be like, oh, okay, look at that. Like this is, this is like, you know, having my mom like sit me down and say like, this is what's important yeah, in life. Yeah. So I kept being like, okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad. Oh my gosh. Well, that was kind of the purpose in me writing this is that, you know, I have had a lot of experiences. I've made a lot of mistakes which is really what I wanted to, to, I, I, and I have learned from them. And so that's really, really what I wanted to share in all this. And that, and that even in the most tragic of times, you know, you can, you can do it, you can make it through it. It just, it, it sometimes hurts an awful lot though. And for, and in my own case, it was definitely the case, but I'm a better parent for every experience I had that was bad. It made me a better parent. And so that's really the gift in all of this was that. I hadn't known about your opioid addiction, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I thought it was so wonderful how you wrote mm -hmm. about that, and we're so open. So many people are struggling. I know, yeah. Now in particular, mm -hmm. and I'm sure having you as a role model for how to, you know, and even the fact that you hid it mm -hmm. and you didn't want your husband to know, mm -hmm. and it was your parents who helped you through, mm -hmm. and oh my gosh. Anyway, it was very, I mean, I hate to say it's so cliche. It's so brave of you to put this in, but it's really, you know, it's it was great to go on the journey with you while you got through Thank it. Thank you. Well, it's, it's the kind of thing, obviously I would never want to want to relive that. And I'm, I'm still to this day, so embarrassed that the whole thing happened, but I understand also, and this is what I try to tell a lot of people, you know, that I talk to, especially in the media is, is that the worst thing you can do to an addict is to shame them because it's, they're trying to get out. We're trying to get help. You know, we're trying, you know, all these, you know, these things. And, and to be whacked down by the media, which is what they did to me very harshly too. You could, you know, in my case, I had a great support system, but, but not everyone has a great support system. And that could actually kill somebody by, by just shaming them in such a way that you can't you feel like you can't face the world. And so it's, I blame none of this on anybody. This was totally my fault and my doing. 
but I have reminded everyone, don't do this. Don't pick on anyone that's got it because it's a disease. It's not a choice. It's a disease. And so I hope, I hope through the years I've made an impact on some of these guys. I don't know if they listen to me or not. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) I hope so too. And being a military wife, mother, Mm -hmm. being so sort of enmeshed in this culture of valor Mm -hmm. and courage and everything, you wrote so interestingly, and I don't want to like necessarily get into all the politics of it, but just how it felt to be not respected in the past Mm -hmm. administration for the most fundamental like virtuistic, virtuistic, mm-hmm. is that even the right, anyway, thing you can do for your right. country. Yeah. Tell me a little more about that. Well, you know, in our family, service is, is the key. It's a core element. And those are the things we taught our kids. And as you said, we have two sons that have both served. One is still serving and one has since gotten out. But it, to me, and what we always taught them is that that's the, 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 that's the purest form of a gift is to serve your country. And to be somehow troops, not just mine, but troops being shamed and, and called, called names because they were serving was, it was beyond pale, in my opinion. It was something that losers and suckers, no, not at all, not at all. And anyone who would, who, well, it, it was said about our troops and I took great offense at that. Not so much for my own sons, although that was part of it, but for every other family member out there who's who has sat by and worried and wondered whether or not your child was going to make it out alive and many didn't they're not losers and suckers at all they're 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 heroes and i would take offense from anybody that said that but when it comes from the commander in chief it was really terrible it was really really awful well i i thought it was so classy the way you wrote about it and how you explained that you weren't willing to talk about it at that point, mm-hmm. but here's how you felt. And mm-hmm. I think it was really, it was, it was very well done. Thank you. Thank you. How you handled that Thank whole thing, you. For sure. And even the way you related to just a little more on the military, your mother-in-law, <laughs> right. And you said how like Roberta, Roberta, Roberta right? Right. Like, right. Roberta, how you didn't even know how she could have gone five years waiting right. for her son to get back. Mm-hmm. Like what kind of, how do you get through that as, as a mother? Mm-hmm. You know, she would, she talked about it a little bit. She wasn't very, open about it because obviously it was a tragic time for them but she you know she just simply you know knowing her the way I did and knowing the family the way I do their inner core strength is something to behold and I believe that John gained a lot of that that courage and that element of strength from his mother because she was she was really something else she was a, a tower of strength and she was also one of the most beautiful women I'd ever seen and was and and just represented not just the family but the country in such a way she was you know from years gone by obviously because her husband was in many many years ago but her just the way that she served as well by his side and helped him through so you know it I, I learned so much from her and I was I was so intimidated when I first met her because I thought oh my god what have I done <laughs> <laughs> Where am I? I don't know what I'm doing. And she couldn't have been more gracious to me in, in kind of maneuvering the 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 dicey walkway of Washington, DC and 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 the military as well. I mean, she was when I uh, I approached her some 
weeks after I'd had the the incident that occurred in the in the book that I talked about being, you know, you're seated by your husband's rank kind of it was ridiculous. And I said, I feel really bad. No one's, you know, I understand they don't want to want to have anything to do with me, you know. And I said, what should I do? And she goes, honey, that's their problem. You just get up and do what you're going to do. And she, it was a great, it was, it was like, so matter of fact, and it was, she was perfect. I mean, she was such a great inspiration to me. I loved her so much. Oh, that's wonderful. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything, it might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because... Even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. And the the way that the other women treated you, I mean, this is like a bad, it's like watching one of those mean girls, <laughs> like my daughter's teen movies, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, it's really, un, you know, I couldn't believe it. Those scene with Nancy Reagan oh, at the luncheon and like all these little moments that I you know. talked about. I'm so sorry that you no, were not like no, the red carpet was not rolled out, oh, you know? No, and I wouldn't have expected that, but I tell you what it was, what it did to me was it was a great learning tool, especially the Nancy Reagan incident at the White House. It, for me, it was, you know, you always remember to be kind. There's no, there's no reason to be unkind to anybody. You just, you shouldn't, shouldn't do that. And that just reminded me how important it was to, to be nice and be thoughtful to people. And 
And especially for me, especially the younger ones, I kind of like, I enjoyed taking our younger wives and, and now husbands, but wives under my wing from Arizona and kind of, you know, making sure that everyone was, was happy and they were doing okay in Washington and those kinds of things. Cause I didn't have that. And I really wish I had. Wow. So what is it like at this stage when you've led such a public Mm -hmm. life, right? And you have this memoir coming out. Do you ever just get tired? Like, do you want to just like run to the gym or something and not have people recognize you? Like, what is it like now? You know, it's, I'm used to it now. I'm very used to it. And I'm more recognized now than I have been in some years past. What I like to remind myself is what John used to say to me. Look, there's no heavy lifting in this job. And one day no one's going to know your name. And he's right. You know, so this is something to... (laughs) To I have a voice at this moment in time. I have a voice that I can use for good. And I am using it and I intend to keep using it as long as I can. And I'm just, in, you know, enjoy every, because I've had a front row seat to history. I've absolutely never in my wildest dreams thought I would have been in the position that I was to be able to see and learn so much. And so for me, it was, it was a, it was a great opportunity. And it was also something that that, you know, obviously it shaped my life completely. And uh, I'm, I'm happy for it. I'm happy for all the experiences I had, even the bad ones. I'm happy for them. And tell me a little about the things you're most passionate now in terms of your philanthropy mm-hmm. and, yeah. and helping others. I've been working on the issue of human trafficking for years now. And this is still a big, a big portion of what I do. I'm the chairman of the board of the McCain Institute right now. And we do, we are involved in things like international leadership. And then of course, human rights, human dignity, uh, human trafficking being a part of it. And, you know, obviously the, the first few years were set in the wave of making sure that people understood what human trafficking was and the, the ability to just recognize it. Now we're in the stage where we're actually activists and we're on the ground and helping to, to not just stop it, but but help people get the kind of justice that they deserve, these women and children especially. So it, it's been a journey with this and I, I love doing it and it's needed. I mean, it's not stopping. <laughs> so as much as I'd like to think we'd have that kind of effect, we haven't yet. And so uh, it's, it's the area of, of the work that I do that's most important to me. That's wonderful. So give me some like parenting advice here. You're obviously have raised no I know, I just have to ask. No. So, you know, I have a lot of kids. You've obviously oh, grown grown I, kids I mom, who have yeah. a strong sense of duty and of, you know, all of this. Like what what did you do right? And you talked a lot about how you had all these times to yourself when John mm-hmm. was in DC and you were in Arizona and you kind of had the, the week to yourself. What 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 do you think you did that that worked really well? Well, you know, what I tell young mothers especially is that the most important thing is consistency. Good or bad consistency is is the most is in my opinion is is the, the the biggest marker in raising children. You know, there's going to be you're going to make mistakes. We all do. Uh, you know, and and you wonder. You know, it, there was a time in my life when I had three teenagers at once and a fourth one really fast behind, and really thought I was going to lose my mind. That was the time that I actually, I, I'm not kidding, I did this. You know, my family has a, a beer company that has a lot of trucks and we have GPS locators on them. And I put locators on all my kids' cars because I, I, there were so many of them. I, had, I needed to know where they were, what was going on. Not that I didn't trust them, but I was terrified of kidnapping. 
And so I, I didn't tell him till much later, <laughs> years later, that <laughs> I'd done that to You're them. You're telling them right now. <laughs> like GPS markers on their car, cars, but it was a way, you know, then I could watch them on a screen. I could see where the cars were and stuff. So it was it, it, consistency. And I think a good friend of mine taught me about not sweating the little things. I used to be a real nut for making sure the house was perfect. My house had to be perfect. And, you know, with kids, it just isn't the way. And she said, you know, you just relax about your house. That'll get done. The most important thing are these little minds that you have in front of you that you need to, you know, need to keep encouraging and keep enlightening. And it was the best advice I was ever given by, from anybody is not to sweat the little things. And does that apply? <laughs> does that apply to your, to the marriage as well? Yeah. How, about having, how about the keys to a long lasting marriage? I'm just like dipping into all your sources here. <laughs> you know, I think uh, in, in our case, we started out, you know, we, I, we never lived together or the, that just, we just didn't do those things in those days. And so, so I, I married a man that I knew of course, but I didn't know him that well. And so there's a big adjustment period in all of that, as you can imagine. And for me, the most important part of our relationship, aside from the fact that we were deeply in love with each other, was the fact that we, that we were great partners. And we were partners in everything we did. And there, at no time did John ever not have, if I needed to talk to him or get the kids, you know, somebody did something that needed their father's attention. He was always there. And he was home every weekend. We treated his work in Washington like a deployment. That's how we talked about it. It was a, a deployment and that he would be home and, and he's serving his country. And it was the easiest way for me to make them understand that what he was doing was important, but they loved them too. So it, you know, it's a balance like anything you balance. I think the hardest thing, <laughs> John came home one weekend and it was during the Clinton Lewinsky thing, you know, and the news was full of all this stuff. And I was, I literally was in the kitchen cooking and I realized that there's this discussion going on on the television set. And my kids are sitting in the kitchen about the the oral sex and all these things we, you know, that that in those days you didn't say those words, but now you do. And I thought, oh my God, my kids are good. How do I explain this? I got to turn the TV off. You couldn't watch television. You couldn't do anything. (laughs) And so, so John comes home and they were, they were not very old and and when the sassy one says to my at the dinner table to my husband, what's oral sex? And John, without missing a beat, looks over at him and says, it's when you talk about sex. And left it at that. <laughs> they were too young to know the real stuff to it. So, you know, it, it, like everyone, our family was no different than anybody else's. We had our, our raucous moments and we had our, our tragic moments and we had our, our fun, fun times too. I love our dinner table conversations. We encouraged political debate. You had to be, you know, you had to be civil at our table, but we encouraged all the gamuts and indeed it was fun. <laughs> had a lot of fun. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, now that you've gone through the book writing process, mm-hmm. how did you find that experience and what advice would you give to someone who's thinking about writing a book? It was actually very, for me, it was, it was really fun. It was fun to put things together. I mean, there's some elements obviously that are, that are hard work on it. The, the audio portion of it, it was particularly challenging for me to, to do the audio book, but it's fun. It's a, it's a really fun experience and I would do it again. I don't know what I would write about, but I, but at this moment, but, <laughs> but I, I, there's some interest in me doing a travel book on some, some of the experiences that I've seen in the weird places I've been. 
So, and I've been to some really weird places. So maybe that may be in the works. Excellent. Well, I do have something called Moms Don't Have Time to Travel. So if you ever want to write an essay oh, about good. your travel experiences, oh, you know, we, I, uh, I have a place for you it. Know, it's interesting you say that because I had no problem, you know, when spring break would come and the longer holidays would come, I had no problem pulling my kids out like a day early to travel because John and I both felt that travel was one of the best educators. And we were always going someplace, you know, overseas, be it local, whatever it was. And there was always a portion of that that was very educational. So I had more, I think I had as much fun as the kids did planning it and doing it. So, but I encourage people to travel with their kids. It's fun. Yes. My mom always used to say, you know, Zibi, if you travel with the kids, it's a trip. It's not a vacation. (laughs) She's right. Your mother's right. As long as you're yeah, organized, I, <laughs> you just have to be organized. Yeah. <laughs> she lives in, in Phoenix too, actually. Oh, she lives wonderful. in Scottsdale. Oh, yeah. wonderful. Good. Yeah. Anyway. Well, Cindy, thank you so much. Thank, thank you for you. chatting. Thanks for sharing your story. Thank this was you. so much fun. And yeah, I can't wait to read about your travel journey. <laughs> I, I appreciate you having me on and good luck with your four children. The hardest job, I know I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but the hardest job you'll ever do is be a mother. And the best job you'll ever do is be a mother. So it's just, it's, you know, and it, and now I sound like my mother, it's gone in a blink. <laughs> so I know it really is. I'm trying to hold on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> and hold on to my sanity. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks thank so you. much. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.